bless the Lord. So tonight we're going to move on into understanding the struggles of individual and community grief and depression. And we're going to get into this because we believe it's necessary for us as ready responders to at least have an understanding of where people are. Uh, we talked about it recently on the TV interview that we did uh, on life esteem that uh, we feel like we're not only just looking at individual grief and depression, but we're looking at a community in grief. Yes. Uh, when you look at Harrisburg's history, uh, the history of disappointments. Man, when you've got a history of disappointments and letdowns, as well as uh, devastating losses in families, whole communities. And, and I mentioned this, I don't really believe that people have had an opportunity to grieve in a healthy way and to come through the process in a healthy way. And then when you compound it with one thing after another, you end up with it uh, just really getting worse. And so one of the questions that was brought up was uh, why is this community, especially the young men, in so much anger? Why is there so much anger in the community? And and, uh, and you were going to go through it tonight, but when you look at the process of grief, anger is one of the step, one of the phases that you go through in grief. But so imagine a whole community being in that stage of anger and grief because they never really have had a chance to go through it in a healthy way. Right. You, know, you have to just there, there, there has never been a, a time where they've come to a place of resolve, yeah. um, come to a place of healing. No closure. Is, no closure yeah. about what has happened. Yeah. yeah. And then when one thing after another happens, I remember uh, uh, my my grandmother passed away, um, and then you're going through the healing process for that, and then my brother passed away. And so just think about it, and that's how that's really how tough it tough it is when you talk about grief when you lose a loved one, and then while you're still trying to resolve recover from that then another one was which set you back from the previous one and so uh, and then you not even just loss of life what happens like for instance when a person you know a loss of relationship you go through a, a separation or divorce and lose your job and foreclosure and and uh, then you get all the separations that happen in the family because you know whenever there's a divorce it ain't just the husband and wife that split whole family split mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of losses and grieving that's now taking place mm -hmm. on multi levels and when people are just kind of left to fend for themselves try to figure it out for themselves especially children and you don't know how to process all of this and you come to unhealthy conclusions about life mm -hmm. when you're left to try to figure things out for, for yourself yeah. having no one act explain what's going on or tell the truth about what's going on or being able to communicate it on the level of a child. Yeah, yeah. and I've seen it, we've seen it a lot where, where people who've been through uh, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, they're left devastated because there's been a loss in their life. No, they didn't lose, they didn't lose their physical life, but something precious, their innocence, their childhood is, is lost, it's stolen from them. And they begin to go through the grieving process of that. Yes. And when there's no resolution, again, 
you're left to try to figure things out for, for yourself, yourself and you right. come to these wrong and you don't know it. You want to wrong, unhealthy, unhealthy conclusions. conclusions about life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ungodly yeah. conclusions. Yeah. So that's why we feel like it's necessary for us to get an understanding of the struggle. Obviously, with us being ministers of the gospel and with us being uh, ready responders, we're always going to be bringing people to the Lord. We're always going to be introducing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, but what reason why we feel like it's necessary for us to talk like we have been talking and teaching the way we've been teaching is so that we under, come into and approach people uh, with an understanding heart about what they're going through. Um, and folks, yeah, obviously you want them to come into a relationship with the Lord if they don't have one. Or if they already have a relationship with the Lord, you want them to be healed. But I guess, but I think out a lot of us, out of our experience growing up in churches, people not understanding that, they find they have begun to fuss at people, scold people who were angry. Because all they're looking at is their anger. They scold people who are sad. Why are you all sad today? Put a smile on your face. Throw your hands up. Well, and they're feeling guilty praise. because of yeah. bad decisions. Of bad, yeah. yeah. And so without that understanding, I know that they mean well because they're trying to get them out of their sadness. They're trying to get them out of their anger. But they're trying to do it disconnected from the source of that sadness or anger or depression. Not dealing with the root of it or, or even dealing it dealing in a way that God dealt with them. God was compassionate. Yeah. He's compassionate with us. Yeah. He's patient. He's loving. Um, and that's what that's what draws us to him. That's right. So we certainly should do the same with those who are around us with family members or with those that God gives us the honor and privilege of being able to minister to. Yeah. That yeah. we share that shame that same love and compassion with others yeah. Yeah. so let's get to it okay so understanding the struggles of individual and community grief and depression um, and again we have talked about this we've touched on this um, to help us understand the struggles of grief let's look at the explanations and models presented by dr. Frida Cruz from her instructional lecture produced by the American Association of Christian Counselors, AAC. Um, it's a uh, course that we went through and uh, were certified. Um, I forgot how many weeks. 30. Um, 30 weeks. But it's, it's very <laughs> thorough, very thorough, and it's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Um, and uh, these are two of the professors we'll be talking about um, that conducted the courses. Um, Dr. Frida Cruz uh, is one of them, um, and the other is Dr. Tim Clinton. Uh, he says, years ago, a national Gallup poll revealed that most Americans thought grief over major loss should be resolved in three weeks to three months at most. No wonder then that those grieving commonly for years over the loss of a spouse or a child feel so lost in our society. Uh, grief is a process, and yeah. it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. We have one of our spiritual daughters. She is a, uh, a licensed counselor now, professional counselor in the state of Missouri. And uh, uh, a couple, a few years back, her mother passed away. She lost her mom, and she told us afterwards. Uh, she said, 
I really didn't understand my clients who were in grief until now. She said, I was always just trying to just counsel move, them move through them and move them along. And she said, now I tell them, take all the time you need. Take all the time you need. And I, the reason why I say this is because I know God wants us as ready responders to be in that posture. Um, let people take as much time as they need. Sometimes I, I think what we have to do is we got to disconnect our feel, our sense of accomplishment out of the situation. In other words, if we're if we're trying to walk somebody through a situation and they're not coming through very fast, yeah. we have to stop looking at it as if though we're failing right. because they're not coming through quick enough. Right. Must be something I'm not teaching or something I'm not giving you, or you're not getting over it. You're not putting forth an effort. Right. Uh, You're not working hard yeah. enough to, yeah. And I think there's really something. This man said a national, national poll. Most Americans think people should be able to get over the loss of, the a, spouse loss of a spouse or a, or a child in three weeks or three months. Two, three months? Are At you most? kidding me? Three months later, like, it still feels like yesterday. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? And so, and I, but as we've seen here in America, um, uh, We've got this sin, this unrealistic thing about how about life, you know, like this, you know, I can, you know, we see it in movies and stuff all the time. Somebody's always saying you need to get over that. Right. You just need to get over it, you know. <laughs> and yeah, um, you can. That's those. Are, that's that's a few words. How do you just how do you, get over? How do you it? just get over it? And uh, you you holding on too long, or you need to just you need to get past get past that. And I and I, even that I've learned that a lot of the people that even say that they say that because they don't have That's the coping true. mechanism right. themselves, yeah, exactly. and there's something that they never really dealt with. Dealt with, That's right. and the way they've been dealing with it has been just to quote suppress it and move on, push past, try to push, and past. they think that they are having success because I'm not maybe not it's not uppermost in my mind all the time. But one of the lessons that you teach and talk about is how things affect us on a physical level that yeah. we think we're suppressing. Right. Uh, you end up with headaches. You end up um, with um, having st stomach problems, um, yeah. uh, being nervous, can't sleep. Um, there's a reason why you can't sleep. There's a reason why um, yeah, your body's not processing food like it should. There's a, there's a reason, and there are reasons why you just... Get mad at people for no, what you feel so might like, no reason at all. Yeah. You're because that that's that thing has been suppressed. It's it's been in the back of your mind, but it's been there, it's still there. sitting there, festering. Yeah. It does until you deal with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, so you need to bring it to the forefront and allow God to help you to yeah. work yeah. through that. Um, so to understand the individual or community struggle with grief, you need to gain an understanding of the problem of grief. Grief is a problem um, in our communities. Um, I'm thinking about how the, the loss of young people, people getting into gang life, yeah. into drugs, um, um, losing young people is a, is a, is, brings grief to a community. Yeah. I don't think they, we really understand in the church community the devastation of these um, 
series of crimes and shootings in our community. In other words, what I'm getting at is young men, young women who have been killed in the streets of Harrisburg, and it's a 12-second soundbite on the TV, on the news, and everybody just kind of goes on. And it lasts a little bit longer in the church world in that we'll have the funeral service mm -hmm. and the repast. But then after that, we were moved right back to church, you know, you know, as soon as the repass is over, we're already making announcements about, you know, because we usually repass is on a Saturday afternoon, you know, or a Saturday night. And so before the repass is even over, we're already talking about church tomorrow starts. Be sure to be here on time at 930. And so we just move on. Right. Meanwhile, that family and those of us who have been in that position, remember those times, remember sitting on the front row or second or third row at a funeral and you're not there. Mm -hmm. I remember the shock. Because oh, yeah. a week after the funeral, basically the family is in shock. Yes. And so while we're going through all the services and everybody's talking about the weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. And, 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 they again, give, and they give all the scriptures about how you know the dead in Christ shall rise and all of that. And we're sitting there numb. Mm -hmm. We don't hear none of this. Okay. It's going all past us. Because y'all know when it's going to hit us? After this is over, yes. when it's all over, because I remember, I go back to both my grandmother and my brother. Um, I'm one of those people. I know that different people process differently. Some people like having people around them in times of grief. I'm one of those. I don't want nobody around me. Mm -hmm. Everybody stay away. And there's a lot of people that are, I would say that we're probably the majority of the don't talk to me. Let me talk. You know, don't pat me on the back. Don't say nothing don't, to don't, me. Don't, don't touch do me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, that just happened to, I just happen to be one of those. But it's the weeks after, and then you start trying to process it. And with, for little children, just think about it. a lot of the acting out that we're looking at in, in elementary schools, in high schools, in this city. Because the kid that was killed was my brother, mm -hmm. was my cousin. Yeah best friend was my friend we grew, up together. we grew up together and so we look at kids acting out and what what we've been doing is okay give them medication yeah. and we still aren't helping these children yeah. process what's happened mm -hmm. when somebody that they actually know is incarcerated brother uncle father is put in prison Children don't know how to process that. And so the acting out that's going on, that's my point. These children are in grief. They're in grief, and we keep trying to medicate it. And or punish it. Or punish it. And we live in a world that says they just need to get over it. Wow. So that's part of understanding the problem of grief now. <laughs> we also need to develop an understanding of the process of grief. Careless and unwise advice and direction can complicate a person's grief. Grieving persons need clear-cut directions for a healthy response to their grief. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things we also say to people. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Don't a lot of time, I, I remember when, when uh, Mark passed, Chris's brother, um, and I, st 
comfort just to have people just come and sit. You don't have to say anything. Just your presence um, just says you love us, you care about us. Um, you want to help, even though you, do, you don't know really how or what to say. But just your presence, just your presence yeah. can bring consolation. It brings comfort. It, it, that season was when we learned the value of people's presence, not their words. Mm -hmm. And I know you're shaking your heads. It was more important that they be there than say anything. I had one of our spiritual sons, he was living in uh, Oklahoma at the time, and uh, him and his wife drove to St. Louis. They couldn't even come for the funeral. All they had time enough to do was drive to St. Louis, spend a few hours with us in our home, and then drive back. And when they walked in the door, it was like, it's okay. And all they did was sat with us. They didn't do a whole lot of talking. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't do the constant, is, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? Because when you're in grief, I don't even know what you, I can't even tell you what right. you can do for me. Right. Um, and so I guess this is one of those areas because all of us know what this is like. This is one of those treat others the way you want to be treated. Yes. One of the best ways to handle grief is to treat others the way you would want to be treated. That's not the time to say, uh, I mean, you, you hate this phrase, uh, call me if you need something. When you're in grief, I can't even tell you what I need. What you need, that's true. I don't know what I need. Right. <laughs> and going through grief, what you're, you're dealing with the, the thought of not having this person in your life, a yeah. part of your, because they've, when you're grieving for a person, you're grieving for the loss of that relationship. You're not, you won't be able to see them on a daily basis, and there's nothing really that anybody can do for you. It's it's something that you have to adjust to, um, um, and and really recognize that um, if that, especially if that person knows the Lord, that they are with Jesus. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that's and reminding people when they are ready to actually hear that. Is a is a part of comforting. Yeah. Um, letting people know that okay, they're with Jesus now. Recognizing that they're in a better place. They're now. They're no longer in pain. They're not suffering. Um, those are some of the things that can help a person through through the process of grief. But when in that in those first few weeks, you're just wanting it's those who present. are close to you to be present. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Not a whole lot of Not a whole lot of conversation. Yeah. Unless that person who is grieving is talking. Yeah. Allow them the time to talk. Don't try to interrupt them. Don't try to interject. Let them get out what they're thinking. It's, yeah. That's helpful. This goes back to one of our lessons that we talked about when uh, about being listeners. Yes. Just, just let them talk. And it's not time to correct them. Because oh when God. people are grieving, they'll say all kinds of unscriptural Yes. <laughs> yes. Unscriptural things. <laughs> the Lord must be trying to punish me. But it ain't time to correct It's a moment that. of grief. Right. They'll say of, things they'll they say don't mean. They'll say all They're processing out loud. And won't even remember they said it. Mm -hmm. Won't even remember that. You tell them back months later what they said, and they're like, what? <laughs> I said that. I said that. Um, you know, to this day, just to give an example, and I'm sharing this with you. So, so that we can really uh, be skilled at this. My 
my wife says at the moment of my brother's death that I wailed and I have to this day no memory at all of doing that I have no memory of doing that all I remember was turning and collapsing in my father's arms my dad was standing behind me I turned around and I remember falling into his chest I remember I don't remember making no sound nothing hmm. so that all of that experience is what helped me to really understand a whole lot better that when you when people are in grief and that could be the loss of a loved one here's some other ones mm -hmm. loss of a job yes. loss of a spouse through divorce uh, uh, think about this what about people that lose a limb those are devastating. Yes. yes. Loss of a limb. Loss of relationships where it's just not even not spouse, but friend, people that you grew up with and you have this big falling out and fight. Anybody ever grieved over loss of yeah. old friends? Yeah. People that you thought you should we we were gonna be buddies, friends forever. For life. Yeah. Yes. Happened to a lot of us when we got saved. Yes. Folks that you thought was <laughs> <laughs> Once you got saved, they yeah. cut you off. They're done with you. And that hurts. Yes, it did. It hurts. And there is a process. And I know that sometimes in the church when that happened, we we tell people, uh, well, uh, you know, let them go on home. Just like, you going with the Lord. And it's like, no, it's like, no, I need time to grieve about this because this was a close relationship. And we've been made to feel bad or feel sinful or feel like we're out of the will of God for the process of grief. It didn't mean we're, we were without faith. Right, no. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't it mean any a, of that. a normal process. Yeah. And I'm sharing this because uh, I know that part of my life's experience growing up in church has been uh, the belittling, the pulling down, the taking down of people who were in this process. This is what was going on with their life, in their hearts. They were not in rebellion. No. They were in grief. Mm -hmm. And even though their actions may have been rebellious, what we're getting at is the source. And a lot of times you'll trace it down to the source and you start talking to them about, you know, why they are behaving the way they mm -hmm. are. And you get into the story. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to young men in particular about their rebellious behavior, all that kind of, all that stuff that they've gotten into. And then... Somewhere in the conversation, it finally drills all the way down to, I'm mad at God because he took my mother. My mother died, and ever since then, ever since then. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised as to how many people we looking at their actions, and they're partying, they're drinking, they're sleeping around, they're doing drugs, they are doing all kind of stuff. And then when you drill down to why they're acting like they're going to take you back to some moment in time where I guarantee you there's a loss. Mm -hmm. Father, mother, something in their childhood. Loss of innocence. There's a loss. And this child who may be 35, 40 years old, they're still stuck in that moment. They're still stuck in that moment. If it happened to them when they're five, then they are still emotionally five, five years, years old. old because they never grew any further than that moment. 
That's the difference. That's the effect of loss in our lives. We get stuck at that place in that time. And even though chronologic, chronologically we're still making revolutions around the sun and adding years to our age, yeah. emotionally and mentally, you're still a five-year-old kid who's hurt and angry and uh, now going, going through this grief. This grief. Yeah. Go ahead. The problem of grief. Grief is inescapable and universal, and we've uh, just touched on that. The medical definition of grief, the normal process of reacting to a loss. The loss may be physical, such as death. It may be social, such as divorce, or occupational, such as the loss of a job. Emotional reactions of grief can include anger, guilt, anxiety, sadness, and despair. Physical reactions of grief can include sleeping problems, changes in appetite, physical problems, or illness. Um, and then we have a list there of psychological pain, um, emotional turmoil, um, having no peace, not at rest, just it's what happened is repeating over and over and over again and you're thinking about what you could have done, what, what you should have done, what you could have said, uh, what you shouldn't have said. <laughs> Emotional turmoil. Um, there's guilt. Um, guilt about responses uh, or not responding. What, had, what was said, what was done. Depression. Um, anger. And we've talked about anger. Um, most men, most of the time, men, men will respond in anger. Yeah. That is their go-to. Um, sadness, I'm being sad. Feeling helpless, rage, loneliness, resentment, and hopelessness. Those are. That's psychological pain, and your body responds to these feelings. Your body is. Mm -hmm. The, your brain is releasing chemicals. That's what your your endocrine system, all your glands, the glands in your body respond to your emotions. They re release chemicals in your body. So it's not just an emotion. It is an actual physical response. Your brain releases chemicals in your body responding to how you're feeling, how you're responding to what issue, what circumstance your circumstances you're dealing with. I remember you told me something about cortisone is one of the major ones. Yes, um, uh, cortisol, cortisol is released by, uh, released in your brain by the, um, um, and I, I have hippocampus, no, uh, hypothalamus mm -hmm. in your brain. It really releases um, that chemical into your body and um, um, depending on what you're feeling causes constriction of your blood vessels or or um, it helps you to or opens up your blood vessels depending on how you're feeling on what you're dealing with so it's not just an emotion that you're dealing with you are dealing with a actual physical chemical response in your body uh, that, that's we're getting in and the next one is physiological symptoms so there are um, your Brain is releasing, causing your body to release chemicals through your endocrine system, throughout your different glands in your body. So there are eating disturbances. Um, you either eat more or eat, eat less. less. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an eat less person. 
I'm going to eat more. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, when I'm under stress or like grief or uh, depression, depression. Exactly. I, I stop eating. Yes. The thought of food sickens me when I'm like that. Anybody else? Anybody else? You <laughs> uh -uh. can't stand it. So the others eat. Yeah. In fact, I I I would, I would have to be careful because I would start getting annoyed at her mm -hmm. for eating. Mm -hmm. Now just think about it. Uh, how it affects relationships. Right. It, it's, it's down here how grief affects relationships. I can't stand food. And so he sees me eating. And sees me eating, and so that's irritating to me. Yes. <laughs> to take that irritation out on me if it's not careful. Yeah. Yeah. And we're both hurting. Yes. We're both right. grieving. Right. But now, now it gets complicated because now I'm getting annoyed at you. Mm -hmm. Can you see how the enemy makes stuff yes. work? I get annoyed at her for eating because I'm like, how could you eat at a time like this? <laughs> Whereas for her, it's it's comforting. Could, it's comforting, and how yeah. could you not eat? What's wrong yes. with you? True. <laughs> Another physiological symptom is sleep disturbances. You're not able to sleep, or you you sleep off and on. You keep waking up. Keep going back to sleep, waking yeah. up, not uh, being able to sleep through the night. And some is the opposite. Some sleep more. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I have a tendency to sleep more. There are sexual disturbances. Don't feel like it. You shut down. Um, you don't want to feel pain. You don't want to feel anything. So you just shut down. And then there are somatic complaints. And that's where you actually feel, you you feel pain in your body. You might have aches. You might have, literally physical have ache. physical aches. Yeah. We talked to a, a, a bishop in a, from New Jersey. And his mom passed away a couple of years ago. And he, his, he developed what they call uh, heartbreak. Breaking heart syndrome. Heartbroken, yeah. Uh, uh, a heartbroken syndrome. Heartbroken syndrome. Lit where his heart is literally physically under in in the X-ray, you it showed his heart damaged. Yeah. The grief physically was tearing his heart apart. Yeah. With the loss of his mom. He almost died. It almost like Carrie Fisher did uh, when her mom. Passed away, yeah. she died of a broken heart. Mm -hmm. Or was it Debbie Reynolds? Debbie Reynolds Debbie died. Reynolds when, died. When her daughter died, then Debbie Reynolds died literally of a broken heart. That is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somatic complaint. It's, it's real. It's real. Um, the third uh, problem is relationship problems, which I already touched, touched yeah, on. We, we've done, we, yeah, we've done both family <laughs> and, and marital. marital. But just think about it among siblings, all of these different responses to the grief and how it affects siblings, and it has cousins, It has caused divisions, broken up families, yeah. yeah, because of the way people deal with grief. Deal with grief. And Not just the money issue, uh, even though that's in there too. What are we going to do with whatever money or life insurance? But more importantly is how... Not, a, not just think about it. Everybody's got a different way of handling it. 
and how quickly you can get on each other's nerves yeah. on how each one is handling it. Yeah. Somebody may be talkative through the grief, another one like me, quiet, one may be eating, the other one like, I can't eat, the other wants to have people around and hugging and being affectionate, and others like, stay off me yeah, and get away, you. don't touch me. <laughs> now just think about how that affects different family members who don't understand that. Right. Now you're starting to feel some type of way about your family member because you don't we don't understand we all we're all doing grieving differently so then that makes a riff more division within the family simply because we don't understand we don't we don't all process grief the, grief same, the way. same way so on the second page at the top there the process of grief there are the stages we're going to go through the stages of grief and the first one is shock when it first happens, this yeah. is a what the natural response of yeah. the brain yeah. to to loss that to, kind of loss. It, and when you lose a person, when you lose a job that you have been working on for years, um, <laughs> and this is something that you've always wanted to do, and yeah. and suddenly you you can't do it. Yeah. You've been denied the opportunity. You yeah. it's it's unreal. You actually. Uh, disconnect you can actually disconnect from reality yeah. when you're in the shock stage uh, sometimes you may even still see this person oh. you, you may actually say oh you hear them um, you can uh, get up and be on your way to a job that oh that's right I don't work there anymore <laughs> it is real shock is for real uh, um, divorce is like a death the yeah. loss of a relationship you live, you do go through you a period of grief because it's this is not it's not something that you expect to happen. Yeah. You when you say I do to a person, when you and and you give yourself to another person, you don't expect that person to not ever to to leave or to not be a part of your life. You expect them to be there yeah. for the rest of your life. That is not what you went into that relationship for. Yeah. You know, you don't go into a relationship to break up, to not be together. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, so when it happens, there is the shock. Yes. For real. It is grief. Shock is a part of grief. You may have, you may have, and I say that for those in the room as well as those that might be watching, you may have thought you were crazy for a while. <laughs> for a while. But no, that's actually normal. It's a no, the shock is for real. Mm -hmm. The disbelief that this is actually happening, that this is actually happening to me. Mm -hmm. The feeling like this is surreal mm -hmm. and that I'm going to wake up from this. I know I'm going to wake up from this. This cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. Then you think you're crazy. You think you're losing your mind because, wait a minute, I know that this is happening, but it can't really be happening. And every day you wake up and think, did this really happen? It really did happen. It did. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. And you're arguing and talking to yourself about the reality of did this really happen. And that's shock. You're not crazy. No. That's all part of our mind. It's the way your actually your mind handles it's, it's, what what has happened. Yeah. It's 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 to protect it's you. It's actually a protective mechanism. That's normal, natural protective mechanism. To give you a chance to absorb what has happened, what has really happened. So, uh, the, number two, denial. That's a part of dealing with the shock. Yeah. 
um, of what has happened. You're in denial of what, of what has actually happened. And it's also, again, it's a part of protecting your mind and your emotions while you're um, dealing, coming to the point where you're able to accept what has happened. Um, when you start accepting what has happened, anger happens. <laughs> so that is the next step and, anger and everybody doesn't go through this all the same way no, that's why or in I, the same period in of time. the same period of time and that's why by the time you get to and I'll go back to the loss of a loved one example that's why by the time you get to a funeral and usually your funerals are held within a week yeah. no longer than two weeks after the death of someone usually within anywhere from seven days ten days fourteen days that's the reason why by the time you get to the funeral People, the majority of people that are there are in shock, denial, anger. Yes, most of Shock, them. denial, anger. Shock, denial, anger. The rest of it doesn't usually kick in until after, after that. that yeah. there, there can even be some bargaining, you know, God, please don't let this be. Bargaining is more associated when it's somebody, when you're anticipa anticipating maybe someone right. to die. Uh, and so there's a long-term illness. Long illness and so sometimes people will bargain you know God please don't let them die I'll, I'll go to church yes. if, you, if you don't let them die I'll commit myself to the Lord please Lord. even saying Lord I'll take their place God don't let them die take me instead all of that's part of part of the process of grief uh, but usually uh, uh, and I think that our, us understanding that that's part of what helped me to adjust. Any time after my brother passed away, I totally changed the way I handled funeral services because I had a better understanding of where people really were. Yes, sitting there. I, I knew that they really couldn't receive most of what I wanted to share with them. So, in fact, the last funeral that I did, I spent most of the time talking about their loved one than I did about all of the promises of God and all of it. Because what they needed to hear, it, I, I, I saw in that moment, what they needed to hear at that time was more about the life and the celebration of their loved one. And that that was what was going to be comforting for them. It's and, quite, quite frankly, that's what you're do, doing sitting there anyway. Yeah. You are thinking about the times you were together. The, the, yeah. You're thinking about life how life had been with that person. Yeah. So when I, the, uh, leading up to the funeral, what I did was I sat down with the family members and said, tell me stories about her. Tell me things that you remember. Mm -hmm. And I put those in my sermon. Instead of me just, I'm going to write a sermon to comfort them and give them the promises of God. I said, like, no. But what I learned, I'm just talking about, this is what I picked up from, from what I went through. Mm -hmm. They need to hear more about the memories, the loved ones, these are the things that will be comforted, comforting to mm -hmm. them. And by the time I get to talking about the promises of God, then they could hear that in light of the memories of my loved one. But I wanted to start right off with the promises of God. Mm -hmm. You know, death, where is your sting? We shall be like him when we all get up in that great getting up morning. It's like, don't <laughs> Don't start there because most people are still in shock, yes. denial, and anger. Yes. And they can't hear that yet. So bring them into more of the reality of what has happened by talking about the person. 
and sharing the stories. And then uh, I remember I also took advantage of the opportunity to talk to those who don't know the Lord. And I know you do that a lot. Talk to the ones that don't know the Lord. That's a great opportunity to talk to people that uh, one day we're all going to be here. And if you want to see her again or him again, there's only one way that you can. <laughs> Isn't that something? But that's when we're gonna be we're gonna be some really awesomely good ready responders, won't we? Amen. I was supposed to let you talk. Oh, I know it's quiet. Okay. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> so we did bargaining there. <laughs> um, the next stage is sadness or depression. Yeah. Um, and uh, now, as I was sitting here talking about Mark, even though I I cry. It's only because I miss him here, but I know he's with Jesus, so there's not a sadness or depression when I talk about him now. Um, but for a time, for a long time... Um, she couldn't have even done that. I, it, I, I wouldn't have been able to even get through the sobs. <laughs> um, so um, so there, is a, there is a period of sadness. There is a period of depression. Um, and, and it cycles back through. It does. Um, you go back through, oh, I can't believe he's not here. He's supposed to be here. Yeah. You know, and, and the denial of, of him, the loss of him not being here. Um, and that's the thing about it, and I'm sure everybody has experienced this. When you come back to around the time of their birthdays and the sadness returns or, you, or the anniversary of the you know, holidays mm -hmm. and the anniversary of their death, uh, it comes back. The feelings start to come back. All of it, but again, we're just saying that's normal. It, is. it really is normal. And again, I believe that that's what we're looking at a lot of times, and have been looking at yes. in our church services. Yes. We just didn't know it was the anniversary of someone's loved one's death, and yeah. so they were sad that week. Yeah. They were sad at church, and that's the reason why they didn't jump up and praise the Lord right at the beginning of the service. Because they're in one of the memory cycles. Yeah. So all I'm saying is I want us to be so much more sensitive to these issues so that we're not fussing at people about not praising God. Mm. When No, it's just that this is the anniversary of the loss of, and we've seen this a lot, this is the anniversary of the loss of my child. Mm -hmm. uh, I just heard a testimony even from a, a woman in our home church back in St. Louis shared about how um, her, she had a son that was born in the winter, I think it's in January, and he only lived for a week. And so it's amazing to me as she told the story and she said, and it was real cold in St. Louis that year. Why, why would she remember that? Cause y'all know what happens when there's been a loss in your life, you go back to that moment, you remember the weather. Mm -hmm. You be remember what people had on. <laughs> you, you can just see it, you're living in it, you're back there. And so if she happens to get a little sad every year in January, now there's a little bit more of an understanding. No, we're not going to... Uh, Bum rush her. Or yeah. So it must be January. You know, she's sad, so it must be that. No, no, but it's just being sensitive that that might be the issue for her right now. 
does January always remind her of the sun that's, just, that's not here? No, we're not propping them up and, and all of that so that people aren't strong in the Lord and able to fight through. But I'm just saying that but as ministers and as servants, it, it, uh, it just gives us cause to, when we approach people, this is just some more things to, to have think and about, to think about. To be able to be more compassionate, yeah. more thoughtful yeah. about what you would about what you say to people, how, how you approach them. Yeah. Um, there are just so many variables in life <laughs> that people are dealing with, and you can, and it's it's. And um, they don't always even know. No. Sometimes people are sad, and they don't even remember. I think. Uh, 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 last month, in fact, uh, I, I think I brought that up. Like, I didn't remember until uh, after, uh, or was it the week of? It was the, it was week, the week of, of, the, of the anniversary of my brother's death. He died on October uh, the 22nd. Uh, and so around that time, I was getting all sad and didn't know why and what's wrong with me. And then afterwards, and I remember, oh, just that time. Just, you know, always have this cycle where it comes back. And I think that many times, what I'm getting at is many times people can't necessarily identify themselves why they're feeling the way they are. They're not always able to readily, you know, it's that time of year. Right. It just may creep up on them. Because mm -hmm. life is busy. Because life is busy and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why I woke up with an attitude today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just need to bind the devil and think, well, yes, you do need to bind the devil. Yeah. That's the enemy trying to take advantage of you to make you have a bad attitude. But now go, I'm all I'm saying is go, go a step further. Why did the devil get that foothold to even come in and do that? What's going on? And that's all I'm saying. We're now going pack. We're going to take the next step. Yeah, she's reminding me. We're going to take the next step. I said we. We're going to take the next step of beyond I buying the devil to why did he get that open door? Mm -hmm. What's the door that I may have opened? Sometimes the enemy just right. barges in. You ain't even oh, open the door. We all know that, right? Hello, thank you. Sometimes yeah. the enemy just comes yeah. busting in there and I ain't done nothing yeah. except for obey God. Right. That's true. <laughs> uh, but there, this is a really delicate matter that I, and I guess we're talking about it so strongly like this because uh, in all of our years of being here in Harrisburg, we really honestly feel like this, what this we're talking is, about this is now, a huge is like issue way up at the top. Yes. If it ain't the number one, it's got to be one of the top three things uh, that this part of the country, this region, mm -hmm. South Central Pennsylvania, is wrestling with. Definitely. Struggling with grief and depression because of so many unresolved losses because from our religious and sometimes even our family traditions, mm -hmm. we've been told to just move on, mm -hmm. get over it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's even in our families. That's not even just something, something that our church taught. It's some, our, of us, some of us come from families that say, just get over it. It's, our, it's, it's viewed as a strength, but it's, 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 not a it's, strength. it's not. It undermines, actually, your strength because you're not actually dealing with the issue. Deal with the issue, <laughs> and then you'll be strong. Yeah, uh, because grieving is actually a normal 
process. But just but and so I think that uh, we're hung up between the difference between grieving and mourning. Mourning should not last uh, longer than maybe three months, uh, three weeks, three months. But grieving is a lot longer. What's the difference? Mourning, and that's why you'll see it, especially in biblical times. They had mourning periods. Yes. A time of outward expression, whether sackcloth and ashes or we're going to fast for a week or the different traditions that they had of mourning, a way of it physically, outwardly expressing that we're in a period, you probably heard that say, they're in a period of a mourning. 30 days we're going to mourn the loss. But when the mourning stops, in other words, we're not going to do the ceremony anymore, we're not going to dress with the sackcloth and the ashes, we're going to... Now, when the mourning stops, the grieving doesn't stop with the mourning. The grieving process continues, and I think that sometimes we've gotten confused between the difference between grieving and mourning. Always remember, mourning is the outward expression of the grief, but the grief continues because that's a process. Mourning is necessary as a healthy exercise or a healthy expression, a healthy way of expressing our grief, especially on a community level, a family level, a church level. That's really what funeral services are supposed to be. They're supposed to be part of the mourning, the outward expression, giving the whole body an opportunity to outwardly express their feelings in this loss. And depend upon like the, uh, the death of the relationship of that person, like if, if, if it were the senior leader of a church, and a lot of times the mourning process for the entire church may be 30 days. They may just say, our church, we're going to be in 30 days of mourning for our pastor. But they have to understand that after the 30 days, that don't mean it's over. <laughs> Nations have done it, you know, after Kennedy was killed and after even Dr. King was killed. We had periods of mourning. People would declare 30 days of mourning or 60 days of mourning. Countries do it all the time if a president is lost and they'll, they'll set aside a time for the whole nation. Lord of flag, we're going to mourn. Um, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up because in Isaiah 61, uh, that was part of the ministry that uh, uh, Jesus even read about it. When he said he sent me his anointed me to go and preach the gospel to the poor, to you know the captives, the prisoners, the uh, uh, brokenhearted, and then he goes on to say and talk about those who mourn and those who grieve in Zion. In Zion, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why we bring that up. It is normal there is mourning and grieving going on in Zion amongst God's people. And we shouldn't think of it as something as being ungodly, unspiritual, uh, lack of faith. No, it's just that the Spirit of God is present to comfort us in our mourning. And he said, and to give consolation for the grief. Here's the difference between comfort and consolation. Comfort is the temporary easing of the pain but consolation is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. Consolation means to remove the sense of loss. 
Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Remove the sense of loss. That is so key. Mm -hmm. So very key. So always remember that. Comfort is the temporary easing of the pain. But consolation is the removing of the sense of the loss. In other words, you don't feel the loss as acutely anymore. It's not that it isn't there, but it doesn't it doesn't cripple you anymore. And that's as I jump way ahead, that's what we want to be about. The ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings comfort yes. in the morning, in the midst of the morning, and consolation for the grief. The last step in the process of grief is acceptance. Acceptance of the loss. Whatever that loss may have been. Next we'll get into, there are two different kinds of grief. And the first one is the acute grief. Um, and that's felt right at, that's felt at the loss. That's the most uh, highest painful level of grief, uh, mainly because it was not expected. Right. That's the highest, That's, extremely painful grief because it's... It's, it's usually a surprise. Yeah. You didn't know that this person had been sick. They, yeah. they might not have known how sick they were. Or if it comes by accident or just whatever, the way it suddenly happens. Yeah. It's sudden, sudden loss, loss of job. Sudden loss. Yeah. Sudden loss of relationship. Yeah. And then, because yeah, you weren't able to anticipate it. So right. it, the pain of that is, that's why I use the word, it's crippling. Yeah. Because you had no chance to prepare for it. Right. So, of course, then the second kind of grief is anticipatory. Um, when a, where a person, there's been long-term illness. Um, or, or you can see it coming. Or you can see you it can coming. See how, you can see where our marriage is headed. You can, you can see, like, where, this can, can see where this job is headed. where this job is headed, you know. <laughs> and so you're in grief, or you're starting to grieve, but it's really anticipating. You're, you are right. at least able to prepare Start getting ready for the for loss. Yeah. Because you do start grieving as you anticipate a loss, you really do. Wow. Mm -hmm. The course of grief. Um, and here, the recovery time for grief, the normal recovery time for grief um, varies, but it's usually between 12 to 18 months. And it varies with each individual. Um, and that's just going through all of the stages of grief. Uh, you at least come to a, a point of acceptance. It doesn't, necessar it doesn't necessarily mean you won't process through, but it won't be at an acute yeah. grief. Yeah. You won't be in acute grief. You will just, it, it could be a, a birthday, it could be the holiday, yeah. it could be the anniversary of the loss. 
but the normal amount of grieving it usually goes from 12 to 18, and it varies with each individual. Right, so it could definitely be longer depending upon how close that individual was yeah. or how important the, the uh, job was or the house that you were in, because losses can be in so many things. They can. Mm -hmm. If it was a dream, the loss of a loss dream. Loss of a dream is big. It's huge. Oh my God. And again, you know, as we talk about Harrisburg, that's why I see Harrisburg as being a community in grief. Uh, there's been a lot of dreamers in Harrisburg. A lot of people have seen where this city, things that could have been done and should have been done, mm -hmm. and they weren't, and those dreams were lost. And so there's been a citywide, community-wide grieving. Uh, areas that should have been built up. Uh, plans were in place and renovations and all things that should have happened were supposed to have happened and they never did. Yeah. <laughs> and it does cause a community-wide grief. So you reach this level of just apathy where people, I see it a lot yes. now, they don't believe anymore, they don't care anymore, and they don't believe anymore. When we first got here, that struck me right away. It's like people don't believe anymore. And I wanted to know why. And of course, mom and Tracy started giving us the history and the reasons why people don't believe anymore. Because yeah. they've had all these promises. They've had so many promises. Mm -hmm. Promises, promises, promises. Fundraiser, fundraiser, fundraiser. So you just finally get to the point where like, I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. So new people like us come to town and we're talking about the promises of God and the things he's going to do and things yeah. are going to turn around and like, yeah, right. You, you, you stay here long enough. We'll, yeah. we'll see. You'll see what we mean. <laughs> just, just stay here long enough. You'll see. And they were right. You stay here long enough and you do see. Not only because you see it, but because you begin to experience it. Yes. And... Uh, that is one of the things that we even shared during the interviews. Like we've been in, we've been here long enough now to uh, become part of this community now, mm -hmm. and now we understand on a very personal level the kinds of things that happen to people here: losses of jobs, losses of income, loss of relationships. Everything's not always your fault, uh, but uh, you still have to. But deal you with still got to deal with the consequences yes. of. It. So this is what it's like to be a Harrisburger, <laughs> to be in from South Central Pennsylvania. People make promises, and you start making plans based upon those promises, and then they break their word, and then you're stuck. And you end up losing your house and your car and your livelihood and your job because you trusted somebody else, and they didn't follow through. Like, so that's what this is. So again, look at the grief, because those are losses. Losses of dreams. All right, we got to wrap this up. Okay. Oh, the second. Um, the abnormal. Ab there's abnormal grief. Yeah. Um, you uh, and there below that you'll see what that what some of the characteristics of abnormal grief. Uh, there's uh, psychotic um, tendencies immediately following a loss. Yeah. Um, they a person will disconnect from reality because they cannot deal with the loss. Um, they, they might stay in shock or they'll stay in denial of what has actually happened. Yeah. 
they'll completely disown the pain. They'll they are act like they are and not like, in pain. Like nothing happened. Everything's good. It's okay. I'm all, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. That's the phrase. I'm, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm They're, good. They are not fine. <laughs> <laughs> they are disconnecting from their pain. Yeah. Um, there could be an enshrinement. They could. Uh, this person could be. Now that sent, this person could have lived like the devil, and now they're enshrining this person. This person was so good. Oh, they did all of this, and oh, they were just so, and oh, that they enshrined the person. The person yeah. becomes an angel. Yeah. Or even if they were a really wonderful person, they still make them better than they were. And they, and, they, and they never because, leave it. Yeah. In other words, now they almost built this enshrinement. Think of somebody, you know. They keep this, this they person's keep this room. person in this hallowed place yeah. in their mind, yeah. and nobody could ever say nothing bad, bad about them. <laughs> the rest of the family like, yeah, he was good, he was, but he wasn't all that. <laughs> just just because they died, don't mean that they've been endowed with extra <laughs> virtues. Oh, they are. Uh, here's another. It's real, like. You're not remembering things the way we remember it. Right. That ain't how we remember that that happened. Right. But now they got this this enshrinement thing kicks in, and their memory becomes very selective and altered. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, persistent physical symptoms. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about touched on that. Some people can actually feel um, aches and pains. Some people actually it actually. Grief can um, uh, hurt your body. The heart, uh, the heartbroken mm -hmm. syndrome. Um, it can, it actually does affect your body. Um, they could be angry with withdrawal. Um, they don't want to deal with anybody. Yeah. So angry withdrawals is like thinking of it this way: the person who, in the normal process of grief, anger is part, but mm -hmm. anger withdrawal is the person who gets stuck there. And they don't go any further. They get mad at God. Usually it's mad at God first. Yeah, for allowing it to happen. Allowing it to happen and then angry at every person that they feel like is a part of this loss. So that's why doctors are familiar with this syndrome oh, yes. because a lot of times doctors are become the target mm -hmm. of the family members when a loved one is lost in the hospital. So doctors, I understand, are even trained Nurses, doctors and nurses are trained in probably no better than in being ready for this reaction, for this angry, grieving response that you are going to get mm -hmm. from families if they lose a loved one, yeah. whether it's in a hospital or in a nursing home. And they, yeah. yes. But they are taught and trained to understand not to take it personally. This is just where people, how, how some react in their grief. Mm -hmm. And we have to be ready for that too, as ministers and as ready responders. And I, this one of those ones I don't know how many pastors understand this. I think a lot of pastors have gotten offended at the angry response of family members and called them rebellious and sinners and everything without failing to understand this is a normal part. This is actually a normal response. They're going to get mad at you, pastor, because they're mad at God. Yes. And you represent and you represent God, yes. <laughs> so they're going to go off on you, and so it's not the time for you to absorb that 
and then be ready to send that back at them next Sunday when you get up in the pulpit. Because you don't understand. See, why would we say pastors need, need this kind of training? You don't understand that this is a normal process. So you take that family's angry response personally, condemn them to hell, and then preach a sermon on them. When you are the one that is supposed to have been trained to understand that this is a normal response that you should even expect. I shouldn't expect from, from people that know the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Sure. They're human sure. beings. They're still human. And in their grief, they may say anything. And you become the target of it because you represent God. And so they're mad at God. You represent God. So you're going to hear it. And just like God going to forgive them because he knows that they're speaking out of their pain, he expects us as his representatives to forgive them and understand they're speaking out of their pain. Wow. Aren't you glad for the training? Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, in abnormal grief, you can that a person could obsess over the loss or over the loved one. Yeah. Um, you could see some people. Um, this can go hand in hand with enshrinement. They'll that person's room will stay the same. They yeah, will not change that. a thing in yes. that room. Yeah. And sometimes nobody else can go into that room but that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So up there could be obsessing over the loss or over the loved one. Mm -hmm. There can be a lingering depression. Um, just yeah. this person, they'll just relive yeah. the loss and over one. and over and over again. They never come out of the cycle. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So intervention and recommendations. This is where you are becoming just one of a number of people and factors that are entering into their lives. You're, be, you're there to become a listening presence, with, with, which is paramount, or very important, extremely important. You're not there to fix or solve the problems, and we've talked about that <laughs> from our own experience. Yeah. We, you don't really want a whole lot of conversation. You just want people to be there. Yeah. And... and it's not always everybody. You want you want those that you feel that are close to you there. Yeah. You want your friends. You want your family. Yeah. Um, those you care about to be there. Yeah. In, in, in situations that we have found ourselves where we may not have necessarily been all that close to the family, I don't use this as the time to try to get close. That is not a good idea. That's <laughs> not the time to try to get close. You can only operate with that family or minister to that family to the degree of the relationship that you already have. Mm -hmm. If you don't really have all that greater relationship, this is not the time to try to get close to the husband or close to the wife or close to the siblings. And No. no. We don't know you like that. <laughs> and, and, and more than likely, your feelings to, will be hurt in that, yeah. in that yes. situation. Yeah. If all I am is just revving so-and-so to them, then I just have to be just revving. You just revving green right now. But that's all we know. Mm -hmm. You're not my pastor. You're right. a pastor. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, uh, I've been in, uh, we've been in situations where I was just a pastor. Mm -hmm. But I've also been in situations where I am their pastor. And when I'm their pastor, yeah. then we can sit down and we can listen 
really bring comfort and all of the rest. But if I'm just a pastor, as much as I hate having to be so, all I can do is kind of be ceremonial and cordial and listen without, again, me feeling some kind of way. Right. Don't you know who I am? I'm Dr. Christopher Green. I should be able to come in here and say whatever say I want to say. Wanna say. <laughs> to bring comfort to your family. <laughs> Don't you know I'm here for you? I could be at home with my wife. You should be appreciative that I even came, see? Yeah. And the reason why I'm saying that is because even though pastors don't say that, yeah, that's what's in their yeah. attitude. Yes. yes, that's how they carry themselves. Because what they do is they walk into a situation where they are a pastor, not their pastor. And so they get offended because these people are treating me like I'm just some pastor. Mm -hmm. Well, to them, that's what you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you can't make it be nothing else, especially in the crisis critical moments. You can't make it be nothing else. Um, so, bless the Lord. Last sentence and then we'll wrap it up. We believe that it is not always readily understood that when one enters the urban community, that grief and depression can be primary factors in the daily behavior that is being observed by leaders in local churches as well as the administrators and staffs of various human services and education communities. And this is so true. <laughs> um, so much has been, been said and done in the media and, and through Hollywood um, uh, the, that urban communities are portrayed in a, from a certain point of view so that when people come we're in... We're just angry, hostile, a bunch of angry, For hostile, no good reason. Angers running around through the streets shooting each other and driving cars all over each other, howling and fussing and screaming in grocery stores and just, it's just chaos. There are people right now that are scared to even drive through uh, Harrisburg on 83. They'll never get off 83 to drive into any one of the streets. They just drive down 83 just to get to 283 because I'm trying to get to Hershey. <laughs> because they don't believe all this stuff that's put on the media all the time. That is not what, what Harrisburg is. It is a grieving and struggling community. That's really what it is. That's in need of healing. Thank you, Lord. And we are going to be part of, and we already are, part of the, of the yes. healing process for this. Thank you, Lord.